This week's episode of the Hot Four podcast is proudly brought to you by Lalaman Brewing. Stay tuned to hear about an exciting new yeast that is going to revolutionise your low to no alcohol beer production. I'm Nick Law and you're listening to the Hot Forward podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. With interviews, discussions, stories and advice from a range of brewers and craft beer professionals, the Hot Forward podcast is here to help you and your beer business hot rocket your way to success. Visit our website at hotforward.beer to find out more. Grab yourself a beer as we crack open another fresh episode of the Hot Forward podcast. Hello, Brewsters, and welcome to another sesh on the Hot Forward podcast. In this week's episode, we take a drive to the picturesque Yorkshire town of Shipley, where Salt Beer Factory is nestled amidst the rolling hills in an old tram shed. The brewery and bar are magnificent, boasting crispy stone-based pizzas, mmm, pizza, sleek decor and, naturally, fantastic beers, making for a stylish and enjoyable venue all round. However, our main purpose of visiting Salt was to catch up with Pip Young, one of my oldest friends in the beer industry, who not only serves as the brewery manager of Salt Beer Factory, but is also the founder of The Coven, an organisation dedicated to promoting diversity and inclusivity in craft beer. The Coven also trains welfare officers for beer festivals to ensure that individuals from all walks of life, particularly people from the otherhood, that is, those who are often underrepresented culturally, feel safe and included. The Coven has evolved over time and has grown into a movement, gaining momentum within the prominent UK beer scene. As an old friend, this episode is a bit more informal than usual, so much so that Pip interviews me about my hearing condition and experiencing noisy tap room environments for the first 10 minutes or so. Nonetheless, we cover a wide variety of themes that include everything from neurodiversity, alpacas, milkshake RPAs, her involvement with salt, the work of the coven and my continual likening myself, humbly I might add, to Bono. And while we're on the topic of health and wellness, before we crack open our conversation today, I'm joined once again by Andrew Patterson from Lalaman Brewing to discuss low to no beers and an exciting new product that is going to revolutionise low alcohol beer production. Andrew, hello. Hello, Nick. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. And how are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm very well. Awesome. So this week, we're going to talk about a new product that's going to revolutionise low alcohol beer, which I'm very excited to find out more about. So can you give us an introduction to what's coming onto the market? Sure, yeah. So this is a a new yeast that we're launching called Laubrew Lona. Brand new, it launched, I think, yesterday and coincided with the CBC in the States. And it's very special. This is a bespoke yeast specifically for low alcohol beer production. So rather than having to do like arrested fermentation or anything like that this a brewer can use this yeast and what happens then talk us through the process okay so it's probably a bit more complicated than that um ah, shame <laughs> yeah i mean yeah, in theory you could throw it into any fermentation and you'd get quite a limited fermentation uh, and you'd get something that was lower than you intended to produce if you were using a standard strain but the way the strain works is that it doesn't ferment maltose and maltotriers it only ferments glucose um, so it will ferment only the glucose that's in the fermentation, which normally makes up about 10 to 15% of the available sugar. Right. Um, so naturally you get a fermentation that is a lot less uh, than it would be if you used a standard brewing yeast. 
Talk us through the brew process and how brewers should approach this. Because I know there'll be some brewers out there that have had a go at low alcohol beers and there'll be some out there like myself that have never had a crack but are really interested. So just talk us through that process from grain to glass and how you'd approach it. Okay. Oh, how long do you want me to talk for? <laughs> I'll, I'll try and do a summary. So uh, when you create a regular beer, right? Um, yeah. I mean, brew your standard strength where, I don't know what you started at, maybe 10, 50, 12 Plato, something like that. You then throw in your yeast. Um, and if it's a standard brewing yeast, it'll ferment uh, glucose, maltose, maltotriose. And it'll do somewhere in the region of 75 to 80% attenuation. That's kind of the process for making a standard beer. When you're looking at a low alcohol beer, um, one of the ways that you can reduce the alcohol formation is by using a yeast um, that doesn't ferment all the available sugar. Yeah. Um, so those sugars would be maltose, maltotriose, and glucose. And in the case of low alcohol beer, you're going to try and use a yeast that only ferments the glucose. But if you were to just do that with a standard wort, uh, you'd end up with something that tasted like maltose because you've left all the maltose behind, right? And maltose is very sweet. Yes. And, um, so you really want to avoid that. So low alcohol beer production is kind of a, you want to look at it almost holistically, like look at all the parts of the picture. Uh, and yeast is one of those parts. Um, so the first thing I would consider would probably be the mashing conditions and the uh, work strength that you were going to aim for. So if you were going to use a yeast that only ferments glucose, like the Lalbury loner that we've launched, you still want to limit that maltose production. So you'd want to look at some degree of warm mashing and some degree of lower original gravity. You don't need to mash as high as you would be if you were, say, trying to make a low alcohol beer with Windsor or London, yeah, um, because those require mash temperatures in the kind of in the, in the eighties sometimes, which can lead to processing problems. Um, using a yeast like this, really, your aim is just to limit maltose production, so you can mash somewhere in the mid seventies to low seventies, right? Okay, and and you'll still get the the effect that you're looking for. At the same time, you would also want to limit that uh, work strength. So you're looking somewhere in the mid-20s is probably where you want to be up to the 30s. Yeah. Um, and that's if you're doing like a, a standard kind of microbrewery brewing process. There are people that will look at creating a standard strength work with this and then diluting it. You know, they look at other, other ways of creating that beer. But if you're doing it in a, in a microbrewery in that sort of setting, that, that's the way you would go about starting the, the process. And are we talking standard pale malts here, or are you talking like specialty malts? Or what, what kind of blend of grist have we got? So it, it, it depends what you're trying to achieve, right? So the, there's different rationales for choosing different malts. A pale malt is probably going to give you the easiest processing in many respects, but using darker malts can also have their advantages. So when you're making a low-gravity beer, one thing that you'll struggle with throughout the process is high pHs. And one of the reasons that low strength stouts and porters taste so good is because those malts are more acidic. So they actually almost act as a control mechanism for the pH. Mm. So you could add some darker malts to drop that pH down slightly. You could also add a pale acid malt to control that pH. Um, so those are the kind of things that you look at. When we've done development work, we just tend to look at pale malts just because it's nice to have a baseline or something to look at. Yeah, but those coloured malts, a lot of them will also affect your fermentability. So you might have to do less with the mash temperature if you're using, say, like a caramel or a crystal malt because they contain less in the way of fermentables anyway. So you've you've done your mash around what you'd say seventy four. Let's call it seventy five. Just seventy five. That's a guideline, but seventy five is in in the ballpark. And then I presume you've got a standard boil. You, you can do. I mean. Like, Low alcohol, because there's so many things to consider. Um, one of the things that you might want to consider is that you'll get less volatile scrubbing in the fermentation. So you can do an extended boil just to remove some of those volatiles. Um, yep. so between an hour and an hour and a half is probably where you'd be looking. 
So when it comes to hopping a low alcohol beer, what tips can you offer? Because one of the things I've noticed is that particularly with the kind of IPA style low to no beers, they can tend to have this character to them that is just, they can be a little bit odd sometimes unless, you know, there are obviously exceptions to this, like the, the New England IPA style low to no beers tend to be quite good because they're quite soft. But when it comes to more like the West Coast or bitter ones, bitter is probably the word I'm trying to get to, <laughs> very standard term in brewing. But like that, you get a real, sometimes a really harsh bitterness. What hopping regime should people think about when they're brewing? Yeah, it's a good beers? question. There's a couple of things to consider there really. And I think the first obviously is, is IBU. Really, you probably want to go lower than you think you need to go. Um, because you've got a low starting gravity, it can taste unbalanced quite quickly if you get in too high with your bittering hop. Mm. Um, so I think you want to aim for like an IBU target somewhere in the teens um, to the low 20s, depending on what you're brewing. You know, if you're brewing something that's going to end up a bit thicker, you can probably get away with a bit more. But if for lighter styles, I'd certainly suggest somewhere in the region, probably about 15 um, for, for a bittering target. So pretty, pretty low. And then downstream like hopping wise if you're going to look at dry hops for instance there's a couple of things to consider one is you want to choose something that isn't going to be too bitter because um, you can get some bitterness from dry hopping because that will just add to that unbalanced flavor that you can get in those products but you also want to think about hopcrete because you've mashed at a high temperature there's quite a lot of complex sugars left over at the end of fermentation uh, and you want to minimize any hopcrete uh, for a couple of reasons and the first really is that it would then be too alcoholic um, which isn't what you want if you're going to create a low alcohol beer the other is is a, a point around fermentation and cans um but we do try to recommend that people pasteurize these products so that shouldn't be an issue if you do do that yeah but on that point of hot creep i tend to recommend to people that they use enriched pellets um so fryer hot there's a, there's a few other different proprietary names for them um but hot pellets that are more enriched and therefore contain less vegetable matter and are less likely to contain any amylases that might break down those complex starches into fermentable sugar yeah uh, yeah I, I would think about enriched products maybe even some oils and extracts as well and one other thing you touched upon there before we start talking about the fermentation aspects was body. So what about mouthfeel? Because one of the things that some brewers who specialise in these beers do a really good job of, of getting a, an awesome mouthfeel when it comes to it. But I've had some where it's just they're, they're so thin and they just don't feel like you're drinking beer. Yeah, I think part of that is like starting gravity. So if you do a very, very low starting gravity and then you dilute it, it's going to taste quite watery. A higher starting gravity is going to give you more complex sugar left over at the end, which will help. On top of that, you can then do things like add a bit more chloride because that gives you that mouthfeel sort of flavour uh, and then a bit more carbonation as well because that can help with that. Um, looking beyond that, there's there's products out there that you can use specifically for, for mouthfeel. So I think there's some based on hop preparations that are on the market. Um, we're working on a product that's based on mannoproteins from yeast cells. Um, which will be uh, for a similar application. Um, it's actually currently used to create body in red wine. Right. Similar sort of thing. Um, just kind of adapt it from the wine world and take it into brewing. But it's it's manoprotein. So that's uh, proteins associated with polysaccharides that exist on the outside of cell walls. So we're going to be launching a product for that purpose um, right. later this year. 
Amazing. So talk us through fermentation then. So let's say you've got a really low starting gravity. What should people be looking out for on their fermentation charts? And how does this yeast perform when it comes to the fermentation aspect? So it will perform quite quick and it'll be quite a stunted fermentation. You, you probably see max fermentation time of like two to three days. Right. Okay. So and, um, that. and the attenuation is going to be somewhere in the region of between 12 and 16%. Um, so, so quite uh, low. During the fermentation, uh, you get limited scrubbing of both volatiles and hop compounds. So, I mean, on the hop compounds, is almost a benefit. The volatiles, as we've already spoken about, because you get less scrubbing there, it does pay to have a slightly longer boil. Hmm. You will also get limited fermentation characteristics being produced um, because it's such a short fermentation. So you can expect less in the way of kind of ester production than you would expect in a standard fermentation. And the other big question that, again, you alluded to, pasteurization. So obviously for some breweries out there, that's not a problem. They've got all the gear, but there are a lot of microbreweries that don't have access to that and yet still want to enter into this realm of low alcohol beer production. What methods and things can they apply to get on board with making these low alcohol beers? Yeah, I mean, it is a tough one. And it's, I think it's a conversation that we have um, probably several times a week. Uh, <laughs> my my personal perspective is that pasteurization is probably going to become more common going forward, purely from the perspective that it, for these kinds of beers, it's, it is the gold standard at the moment. There are a few packers out there that can pasteurize for you. So that is an option. And um, if you're wanting to create these beers, is that you could actually send them to a, a, a packer and they'll be able to pasteurize it for you. Um, looking in-house, you can start looking at chemical products, so benzoates and sorbates. Um, there is some uh, issue about where you're allowed to add them. So, for instance, I think the EU rules are that you're allowed to add them in keg, but not in small pack. But at the same time, you don't really want to create low alcohol beer in keg unless it's going to be in your own tap room because you can't manage it once it's out of the building. You can reduce the pH. So you're really looking for a target end pH within the region of 3.9 to 4.1, um, which will help with micro stability and will prevent the growth of pathogens. Um, because that's a big, that's one of the big issues here, right? Is that if you've got something that doesn't have alcohol, you could, if you're not careful, produce something that could actually make somebody ill. Right. So below 4.6 pathogens struggle to survive and grow. Uh, and to, you know, to get it really stable, you want to be really, really near 3.9 to 4.1. So yeah, it's, it's one of those questions. It's, it's quite a tough question. Um, I would say there's a lot of people out there that don't currently pasteurize. It's not what I'd recommend, but there are people that are doing it. My opinion is it's probably best as an industry to regulate ourselves on these things before somebody else comes along and regulates us. Um, yeah, us. well, I mean, if if you're introducing potential for food poisoning into the world of beer, which has never really been a thing, obviously some people are ill for other reasons, shall we say, when it comes to beer, but generally not for a food poisoning aspects. But like you say, if that becomes a thing because people are making beers that aren't within spec, then that potentially has huge consequences it, across exactly, the industry. Yeah. So I think as an industry, it's, it's up to us to be responsible. Um and we ought to be as responsible as, as we can be. Are there any other considerations that we've missed when it comes to using this yeast? I mean, some of the key features we haven't spoken about so far, and um, I guess was, there's two of those features that I probably mentioned. One is that it can't produce H2S. So some of the yeast out there um, for the production of low alcohol beer are a bit notorious for producing H2S. And it's also quite good at reducing aldehydes. 
Um, right. So aldehydes are flavors that you get during the brewing process, which are generally reduced during fermentation. So things like grainy, worthy, cardboard, flavors like that. And normally that fermentation process reduces them down. But in a stunted fermentation, that will happen to a lesser degree. But this yeast is quite good at doing that. It's one of the things that's quite good about it is that it actually brings in those aldehydes quite nicely. Yeah. So how long has this yeast been in production for? Oh, well, I started the low alcohol project in 2018, um, first right. looking at the use of Windsor, um, which is what a lot of people are using at the moment for these mm. beers, is Windsor. Um, and that works really well, but um, you need to mash quite high, which leads to processing problems. Um, so we've been looking at maltose negative options uh, for quite some time now. Um, we already had a few within the catalogue. So we had a, a baking strain, we had a, a winemaking strain, and we had a, a Ludwigi strain. None of which were ideal. The wine strain actually makes quite a nice beer, but it doesn't have a license for use in brewing. Mm. Um, the Ludwigi tastes like rotten pineapples. It's horrible. Um, and the baking strain is pof positive, which is the, you know, the Belgian phenolic off flavor. Right. Um, so they're all disadvantages. Um, and they're all, you know, either wild yeasts or in the case of Max Saccharomycotes Ludwigi is actually a food spoilage organism. So none of them have that brewing pedigree to them. So this particular strain we've actually produced by breeding the maltose fermentation characteristic out of a, an existing brewing strain. So it's actually got a brewing heritage to it. Right. Um, I think it's one of the key points. That's amazing. I find it fascinating that yeasts can undergo this process, in, I guess, in the way that someone might breed hops, you know, very, very specific flavours and compounds come out of a particular yeast. I mean, sure, sure the possibilities for yeast as a whole endless now the technology is ever yeah, I mean, growing uh, it's it's certainly um i think it's almost exploding yeast technology at the moment so yeah. obviously you've got the gmo side in the states um, but you also have the breeding side which is more acceptable worldwide and and that's coming on leaps and bounds you know there's um a lot of yeast out there that have been bred which are really really fascinating um i was actually at at Carlsberg Research Labs um, last week, and they do some mm. incredible stuff with, you know, the unre- unreal sort of technology that they've yep. got um, on breeding barley, on breeding yeast, all sorts of different things. Yeah, incredible. Well, I know there's some really good breweries over here that I've started gaining a real reputation for making great low alcohol beers. People like um, Fierce Beer and uh, Mash Gang. Yep. Well, I've yeah. yet to try some of their beers, but um, every time they pop up on social media, I'm always tempted to buy some because they just look great. I hear so many great things about them. And obviously Big Drop as well, been on this podcast a fair number of times, have really uh, made inroads into that market. Yeah, Big Drop, Jump Ship and um, Northern Monk do a nice, it's like, is it two and a half percent? Is it Strining Edge it's called? Yeah, but they do. Um, Holy Faith is um, yeah. their 0.5, which is just brilliant. Absolutely fantastic beer, in my opinion. Yeah, there's, there's some really nice ones out there. I've, got, I've actually got some in my fridge from Gloucester Brewery, which are pretty good as well. Happy days. Great. Well, thanks for being on the show again this week and talk about the yeast. How can people find out more and how can they get hold of it? So if you want to find out more, um, you can head to our website um, and look me up in the contact me section um, and I can talk you through it um, either online or at the phone via email. Um, and then if you want to get hold of the product, um, then best to look to our distributors in the UK. So that'd be Murphy and Son and Bruce Elect. Thanks, Andrew. 
head over to lalamanbrewing.com forward slash loner. That's lalamanbrewing.com forward slash loner, L-O-N-A, to find out more about this exciting new yeast product and stay tuned for our discussion with Pip Young from The Coven. We'll be back right after this short message. Thanks for tuning into the podcast this week. Did you know that Hot Forward works with a range of breweries, bars, bottle shops and suppliers from across the world of beer? We offer branding development, marketing support and business consultancy for everyone from brewery startups to craft beer professionals within the beer industry. Find out more about how we can help you hop forward over on our website at hopforward.beer or connect with us on social media at hopforwardbeers. For now, let's crack open this week's discussion. I'm mostly deaf. Officially, it's not, it's not even severe, moderate. Moderate, moderate. hearing loss. Moderate yeah. hearing loss. Yeah, I'm like, well, that's, that's definitely not moderate when you... I'll tell you what it's like. It's, Do you want a chair that doesn't squeak? Because um, I've cause I had to change my it's chair. It's fine, I'll, I'll just stay still. Stay still, don't move. Don't move. <laughs> I'll tell you what it's like. If you were to put your fingers over your ears, right, and I talk to you over both of them, that's what it's like just hearing through that ear. So if I put my finger over my left ear, but not on my right... It's like having both your fingers in both your ears, if that makes sense. No, it totally does. Um, so it's yeah, you'd, you'd live with it though. You know, it's like yes. you were you born with it or did it fade? I don't think so. I I tell you when really, I first noticed it. Really it, personal questions. No, 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 there you go. No, I mean, this might make it to the show. Um, no, I first noticed it originally back in like as far back as 2004 when I had an iPod with the Apple headphones which aren't great and it always sound like the left one was lighter than the right and I just thought these headphones are shit (laughs) because I got bare ones and you know with the proper plugs and it'd be be fine but then when I worked for the church and I was doing a load of music and we had like in-ear monitor systems circa like 2012 my friend Tim who did all the engineering I'd be there saying my vocals panned out more on the left ear or like the guitar so only certain instruments with certain frequencies like vocals or guitars like mid-range t- type stuff how interesting I know and he's like no it's dead centre I'm like I'm telling you they're panned out of it's panned out on here there's something wrong with that desk and he went nah it's just you mate you're going deaf and we'd, we'd have a laugh and a joke about it because when I took them out it didn't sound like there was a problem but in 2016 when I went through that really like rough time mm. That's when I had this really bad head cold. And after that, I just like, I couldn't hear anything through it. And that's when it got worse during that, the year of hell. And so I went, um, after I left the church, I remember having like a CAT scan and all the rest of it, sat with a consultant. And the nurse was a guy who worked for the church who I knew. Obviously, like he was sat there being professional. Like, I'm not going to... All right, Nick, how's it going, mate? You know, I'm just at this really awkward moment where this guy's delivering this news, like, oh, yeah, so you've got this progressive hearing loss, now asking questions like, well, am I going to go completely deaf? Yeah, maybe. Will it spread to the other ear? Could do. And I'm like thinking, I know him. I know the nurse. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it was shit. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. No, the reason I'm asking quite intimate questions is a friend of mine um Mirakai Brewing yeah they're opening their tap room and we had a really interesting conversation yesterday or the day before um in our little whatsapp group there's yep. a few of us about how to 
service people who are either completely deaf or have hearing loss yeah. and how to service them adequately within a quite a loud setting because it's yeah. going to be a tap room adjacent to a brewery. So you'll have chillers and fridges and whirring and music and, and you know, and other people mm. chatting and loud noises and all the rest of it. And um, yeah, so I was just really, I was just uh, super curious and obviously I know, I know you have... You, you wear your hearing aid. Obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen that previously. But um, yeah, do you find that um, QR codes help for like sort of finding out information that perhaps the server won't be able to give you about That's the That's interesting. I, I would, I, I'd love to be able to get out to bars more to be able to ha be in those situations, but I just, I just don't, you know, just with, <laughs> with doing all the like brownie run and um, <laughs> taking my daughter to a wind band or trumpet club, as we call it now. Trumpet I, club. Even, I know, so just, she plays clarinet, but it's like, we joke about it being called trumpet club because she was like, oh no, it's just clarinets. And then we turn up for performance the other day and I was like, but there was some trumpets and a trombone. So it's not, it's not just wind band because they're brass instruments. Anyway, that's a whole other conversation. So I've I, not really been in that situation, but what, what I, I, I've not really thought about this until you said it. What I do tend to do yes. is if I go to certain places, and part of this is just the beer nerd in me, but I will look on and tap before what's generally there so I can make a decision in advance. But I have got a pair of eyes and really, for what, I, what I lack in hearing, I make up for insight. So I can, yes. I can generally see things quite far away and, and all that. Oh, yes. I think we were, um, I think the consensus was to have a multi-pronged solution. Right. So making sure that untapped and you are advertising your menu and selection ahead so people can make an informed decision and then having uh, inf info readily available so people don't need to ask the server right. questions and then mishear or embarrass themselves or, or be put off because yeah. they don't want to ask. I think it's hard because I think some people do feel really embarrassed by wearing a hearing aid so they don't mm. you know all the prospects of wearing I don't care like I, I and I don't agree with this politics and I think he's a twat personally but I really <laughs> like Morrissey like as in like a you know <laughs> as a musician mostly from the Smiths but you know so like the whole hearing aid thing never really bothered me it's partly I'm a bit like oh, I could be like Morrissey but without the twattiness um, <laughs> if that's po even possible but um, you know but some people do feel really like self-conscious about it um, mm. and to be honest with you I find it more helpful if I have it in and particularly the NHS one which is quite big and bulky whereas I had like a small one that I got given by a friend who's a private audiologist and it, it, it I just didn't get on with it and it was too small and people couldn't even really see it so I'd still be there going like what what excuse me what Excuse me, Rama. What? That what? Um, <laughs> you thought, said what? Yeah, what? That what? What are you going on about? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, whereas at least with a, a hearing aid like that, it's pretty evident that I'm hard of hearing. Yeah, so it kind of, it's, it's, it's a signal for people to make adjustments without you having to ask or them to have to ask. Yeah, but... We're British. We don't, we don't, no, we well, don't want to talk about things. We don't want to impose people and we definitely don't want to embarrass people. No, absolutely. But, you know... Um, <laughs> It, I think I was on a previous episode of the Hot Four podcast with my friend and partner in crime, Sean, who does the mini episodes called Fermenting Thoughts. We talked about autism recently mm. and neurodivergence. And we were saying that it's really hard, like if you're neurodivergent going into a, a big cavernous space with lots of people mm -hmm. talking, having that hyper awareness of everything all at once. Yes. And 
you know, the, the thing that often bar staff aren't trained in. I mean, if they're not even trained in beer quality a lot of the time, then they're especially not trained in any of, you know, those things that people struggle with on the autistic spectrum and so on. And it's, and I, I think craft beer has miles to go. Very much so. And it's a beautiful segue into what my passion is. So uh, I'm neurodivergent. So it speaks to me anyway about wanting to have a more inclusive space because I want a more inclusive space for me. So it's, it's personal and selfish. But also, most neurodivergent people's friends are neurodivergent. So I want to be with my friends. I want to have everybody in spaces where we all feel comfortable. And yes, bar staff are not trained for that because society isn't trained for yeah. that. We don't know how to even verbalise our needs or other people's needs or anticipate them. But even just uh, other needs, like looking at your space and thinking, is this actually a safe space? Is my tap room speaking to my customers about who my brand is? Is it communicating the beers adequately? Are they able to hear the bar stuff like we were speaking about with um, people who are partially deaf or um, have issues hearing? Or more than that, is it safe? Is, it, mm. is, there, is there dark areas? Is there little, little nooks and crannies where somebody might not take somebody but maybe corner them and maybe get into a situation uh, even a conversation or a scenario that's like a blocking a doorway bit, kind of thing yeah you know is is there a is there a door that isn't locked on the way to the toilets and it's an and it's an empty corridor so if, so from a security point of view you don't consider well i don't need to lock this because i'm not going to have anything go missing well that's fine for you as a as the property owner but could somebody be shooed down there and then they're on their own with somebody yeah. things like that and that's absolutely not talked about trained for that's not even really sort of something that comes up I don't think for one second that the brewing industry or any venue has this thought and then doesn't care Yeah, I definitely don't think that is the case what I think is it just doesn't occur to them yeah. Well, before we go further down yes. that route, yes. because we're 10 minutes in, and I think that was an absolute beautiful intro, given the fact you were interviewing me as well. Like, that's never happened on my podcast before. So, Pip, why don't you introduce yourself to people? My name's Pip Young, and I am the founder and MD of The Coven, which is a project from the umbrella brand called 36. And 36 does training and education so maybe it's to the general public and we're learning about hops or beer styles or brewing 101 or maybe it's to businesses and I am educating or I should say we are there's more of us now um, we are educating people on equity and diversity how they could make their workforce feel more welcoming and diverse and they, they can get the best out of their employees and they can invite more people from the wider community into their community, into their business, but also their customers as well. Are they making sure or, or are they even aware of how their 
brand is perceived to a more diverse audience. Um, and then the coven, which is... I, I, I'm a little bit in love with my coven. Um, there's more of us now, which is great. We're growing all the time and um, I can use we legitimately yes. now. <laughs> Before, when you're talking about um, on social media, you kind of have to say, oh, we do this and we do that and you always feel a bit fake because like it's just we. you. <laughs> and you're like, oh, yes. And people talk to you and go, oh, I met Pip at this event. And you're like oh, could you just email her? And, it, and it's you. <laughs> but you have to play the games, fake it until you make it. Absolutely. But we've made it now. We are a we, legitimately. Um, and uh, we train wellness officers, uh, which is a role I've curated, to solve a really important issue. And that's safety, well-being and openness, primarily at beer festivals, mm. any beer events, that does extend to tap rooms and breweries, but primarily at beer festivals. Um, unfortunately, I don't think I've met a minority member, so a woman or non-binary or a person of colour that hasn't had a negative experience at a beer festival. And it's so sad to say that. That is yeah, true. Yeah, absolutely. And some really, really, really nasty things really terrible gut-wrenching appalling tragic and I love the beer industry and why would I not want more people to love what I love because mm. the party's better when there's more people there yeah it, it, and it's so funny with the, the craft beer industry in not just the UK I would imagine abroad as well in you know places like America but it's 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 so interesting that in in craft beer here in the UK, like it's it's often touted as being this kind of like utopia and this like this wonderful space where everyone's really good friends. And yeah, there's a lot of camaraderie amongst for sure brewers and people that run bars. And we do collaborations. And, uh, we swap absolutely. things. Yeah, uh, you know whether it's knowledge or things. Bags of malt. Exactly, <laughs> but you know there's this real undertone and underbelly of craft beer, which is just horrible yeah. i met a guy i'm not going to name the brewery that he worked for and i mean the brewery treated him really well um you know for all intents and purposes but his the thing he took from the crap beer industry as a whole he said to me i'm really glad that i got because it was really toxic and i was like whoa you know like like the brewery you're talking about that like he works for was really well respected and you were treated really well there but if you're taking that the crap beer industry as a whole having had what sounded like a good positive work experience is is toxic, then, you know, there's something wrong. And that's coming from a man. Yeah. Not to play the gender card. No, 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 not at all. But it's a man's world. Yeah. And it's a man's brewing industry. And so could you imagine what it's like if you're all a, a, a woman brewer or a non-binary brewer yeah. or a, or even just... It's difficult being a trans person in society at the yeah. moment without actually then having to put a target on your head by being in a in a in a very masculine space. Mm. Branding, you know this very well. I'm going to interview again now. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Branding, you know that very well within the beer industry. It is either masculine or neutral. There isn't many and has it worked or is it just a bit of a gimmick or a cliche that that the products are designed to be marketed for women 
it just doesn't really exist. No. We just, women, we, whoever, minorities, I call them otherized. So we do this, the coven of one of our new catch line, taglines is, uh, we love beer from the otherhood. <laughs> nice. It used to be quite <laughs> a theme. The language we use, the language I designed when I first started the coven was quite female and woman centric. Talk about what you know. It was a great place to start. And I didn't really know what the coven was going to be. It mm. was, it's always been evolving. And I just sort of let it and clung on and just sort of thought, we'll see what happens and see where we end up. But I had a bit of an awakening, a bit of an epiphany last summer. And it's like, how can I create an inclusive space when I'm already, with the language I use, telling a huge swath of people that this isn't for them? No, that, that's just, it, that can't happen. So it's now the otherhood. It's about all marginalised folks are welcome. Mm. Yes, we still love women. Yes, a lot of our branding has that gendered aspect to it. But it's not just strictly women brewed and women owned beer anymore. It's about everything. Even the wellness offices we have now, I was doing a sort of head count the other day, We've got as many cis people as we do non-binary. Most of us are neurodiverse. I don't know what that says about us. Probably a lot because it's me at the helm. So they must feel very comfortable <laughs> yeah. with me that's and a, I feel very a, comfortable with them. But that's a beautiful <laughs> thing. Like, and, and I, I say that again as like, not, not that my eldest has had an official diagnosis, but as a parent, you, you know, you know, like, yes, like, you, do. like you, you just, you just, you know, yes, your kids. You for someone like her or yourself or our collective, whoever they are, neurodivergent friends, just having that community in and of itself is a wonderful thing. Because coming back to what you we were saying earlier, like so many people are uneducated about all that. And to be fair to them, why would they be? Because it's like, I'm getting on with my life. I don't need to be educated about it. And I would argue, well, guess you do. Because like there are, there are lots and lots and lots of people out there who are neurodivergent and mask or, or whatever. I mean, as you can tell, it's a subject I'm really passionate about. And it's like, everyone has the right to fit in. Yes. And they also have the right to not fit in. Yeah. If they, if their natural state, if their authentic self and authenticity is huge in the coven, mm. it's, we've got three values and that's one of them. We absolutely believe that your authentic self your truth is valid who is anybody to tell you that you being your authentic truthful self is incorrect mm. and it might be weird probably is it might be maybe a little bit tricky maybe a little bit prickly it might make people feel uncomfortable when they come up against it and it's new and it's different Maybe they'll get used to it. Maybe it's not. Maybe you're not for them. That is actually okay. We're not all supposed to like each other, just like beer. We can't all drink heavily hopped, high ABV beers all the time. Some of us have to drive. Some of us, it's cold and I want a stout or... Yeah, rock on. You know, I... I Some of it's times it's warm and I want a yes, stout. it is warm and I want a heavily adjunct thick, creamy beer and it's boiling outside. 
Thank goodness. Thank goodness we're all different. Otherwise, we'd all just be sipping citron, Amarillo and mosaic. mosaic. <laughs> you, I was thought you were going to say Simcoe. That's the other one. 4.5. Yeah. Hazy pale. You know, that would be really, really dull. So thank goodness. And it's okay. It's yeah. absolutely okay. And it, we welcome you and come and be weird because we're all weird. Yeah. And have you been in a brewery lately? They are they are odd folks. They are not the most normal of humans. <laughs> you really have to be. You have to be a little bit geeky. You have to be a little bit nerdy. You have to think outside the box. Um, I laugh with my uh, with my head brewer Cole name drop. Um, uh, the the patron saint of brewing is MacGyver. You're sat there. You've got something leaking. You've got a deadline. You've got gas coming out and you've got a paper clip, some chewing gum wrapper and some gaffer tape. What are you going to do? You've got to make it work. Now, that is neurodivergent folk. That really, really is. ADHD people are... the One of the huge pluses is that we're great in crises because we're always in a crisis. Right. Our whole life is on edge. And, oh, no, what's happening? I have no idea what's going on. And I've got one shoe and I'm at the bus stop. Oh, no, what's happening? You make it work. It's perfect for brewing. I don't know the stats. I am researching the stats because I'm writing an article with a very dear friend of mine. That they're, they're a journalist, so they're helping me through this minefield. Nice. I have never written anything. This could go terribly wrong. But it is absolutely about... The high, I suspect, the high population of neurodiverse folk in the brewing industry. Yep. Nerds, geeks, hyper-focus. Anybody who can uh, religiously fill an untapped form every time they have a beer <laughs> has to be a little bit on the spectrum. I'm sorry, they yeah. do. Don't like, and I love you all for it. Don't like Dowers. <laughs> then why did you have a sour? Like, why didn't you drink it? I had that with a, 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 a spiced barley wine. Um, was it Spi- last? Spiced? Spiced with what? If it was Christmas spice, I'm not here for that. Sorry. It was Christmas spice, but it was a, Christ- it was a Christmas, Christmas spiced barley wine. No. And that's fine. You, 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 like you said, everyone, everyone could not enjoy stuff. That's totally fine. Apart from cinnamon and beer. But uh, well, it has cinnamon sticks in there as well. So maybe a slight plus point. But like, you wouldn't go on, well, at least a, don't think you would go on untapped and be on like oh, shit that is it's like but you know you don't like those and I had this with the spice barley wine it's like the one che- I sent some to someone and oh no a few cans of it and like they drank them and no one else checks it in apart from this one person who didn't like it uh oh and they all were like why did you check it in yeah that's what I do Wow. It's like, as, as my wife often says, like, if you haven't got anything nice to say to someone, don't say anything at all, <laughs> you know. Just be mute forever. Yeah. Just just keep your opinion to yourself. Yeah. No, not in the beer world. Yeah. Not no, in the beer world. No. Absolutely not. <laughs> so what, what, why did you start the coven? Where did it come from? It sounds a bit twee. I was really bored of moaning. I could hear myself. And I was getting louder and more whiny and shrill and it was like well are you going to do something and that was my internal voice mm. one of them obviously ADHD there's five having an argument and it was do something or shut up you, this isn't getting any better yeah if anything it's getting worse because it's becoming a wider hobby or pastime 
there are more minorities entering the brewing space, either production, selling, or just as a consumer, which is fantastic. Mm. But the infrastructure wasn't there to, to support them. So the incidents were just rising as well. And it's like, well, if not you, who? Yeah. And there are, of course, gorgeous humans peppered all through the UK and the world doing righteous work. And thank goodness, because they're helping me do what I do. Mm. And they've led the way. They Them doing their work is the reason why I'm in beer. Seeing Melissa Cole meant that I could be in beer. Honestly, that is... That it is her. She helped me getting to beer, and now it's my turn. It's like it's like the baton being passed. Yep. And I was ch- uh, yeah, and like gorgeous humans doing wonderful work, but we all need to do our little sliver, and then the the, the task is divvied up. And that was literally it. It was do something or shut up. And I can't. I can't. Clearly, I can't shut up. Yeah. No. I, that's great. I think it's brilliant. So, I mean, talk about the wellness offices. I know you've alluded to it a little bit. Yes. But just like going, going. To, what? What is that? Um. So, wellness officers. Um. They are trained individuals, and it's a paid role. So, um. We train them in first aid. Yep. Uh, mental health first aid, and also something called active bystanding. So that is from a company based in America. Um, safe bar network and it is about looking at your space like I uh, spoke about earlier looking at your space looking at your customers not spying but just being aware Mm. just having that sort of peripheral vision about the dynamics between groups individuals and does something need to happen is there an intervention you can do so there's not an incident yeah you want people to stay in your bar and have a good time. How can you facilitate that? As a good bartender, you might have to keep an eye on their drinks and see it go down, know their order, maybe anticipate it, maybe go over and say, do you want another one? Maybe they're struggling with a lighter, so you lend them yours. That's good bartending. And as an extension of that, it's good and it's just and it's right to then look after your clients as well. It's better to make a joke and diffuse a situation than to get the heavies and the and the door staff and chuck somebody yeah. out. So that's basically what they do. Patrol, uh, the wellness officers would patrol, keep an eye out, um, be available. We'd have we have walkie talkies, um, we have um cards that we can give out to people so they can contact us and then if there is any aftercare there's um, reporting and emails and things they can do if they don't feel able to do it on site and then also we can be there to debrief or wait with them if they need to if it does need to escalate or it could be something really simple like lending somebody a charger waiting with them to get a taxi yeah maybe they've drunk too much and they need help to the taxi or out of the toilet or hold their hair back. I don't know. Whatever it is, that's what we do. So it's like a soft bouncer. So it's in between um, a, a, a bouncer and security door staff and then maybe a volunteer who is there for a free session, a T-shirt and has had minimal, if any, training and is definitely not getting paid. Yeah. 
It's too much. I personally think it's too much to put the responsibility of safety and wellness onto a volunteer. Yeah. Personally, I think that's immoral. It's a good first step to have briefed volunteers and a clear code of conduct. This is what we expect of you. This is what's going to happen if we do, if you don't reach that, either as a participant, i.e. Some, somebody pouring, or an attendee, somebody coming to drink. Mm. That's brilliant, and we haven't had that. So to have that now, and it's becoming more standard, Camera has obviously um, announced that they are going to be introducing that. It's Amazing. wonderful, brilliant, tick, 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 tick. But... However, there's always a but with me. Putting all of that responsibility onto volunteers or door staff, it, it's inadequate. Yeah. There, there, there has to be something more delicate. There has to be something more sensitive. There has to be something more holistic, either to stop it becoming a serious situation or to deal with a serious situation. And that's where we come in. Yeah. To hire us. Yeah, it sounds amazing. I, I mean, I genuinely, like I say, I've, I've, we've known each other for quite a, a while yeah, now. Yeah, I think you're one of my first friends in beer, it, actually. I, yeah, likewise. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Crazy, yeah. It? Um, But, you know, and obviously I've seen the coven from a distance and... When it was a mere twinkle in my eye. Yeah, but it's, you know, I, it, this literally is the first time that you know, I've, I've, I've wanted to sit down and actually ask you about it yeah. and find out more in, in person. I knew that you had mm. wellness officers, but I didn't know what they did. But it's, that yeah. sounds like an amazing thing. Like the char- the thing that really struck me was like the charger, for example. It's little things like that where if there's someone that's vulnerable mm. and they're low on battery, mm-hmm. your phone is such a valuable asset to get you out of trouble. If well, it's got to. your money on it. It's probably got your documents about how you travel, like bus ticket, train ticket, Taxi. Yeah. It's got everything on there. It, it, there might be somebody waiting for you mm. if you have texted them to say you're coming home that then doesn't know where you are. Yeah. Or you might not have been even been able to tell somebody that you're coming home. So, yeah, just to have those really simple things, water and fruit. Mm. Often, breweries, this isn't me being mean about the brewing industry. I genuinely love the brewing industry. That's why I'm invested to make it better because I do love it. But often pourers are sent out for festivals, multiple day festivals, multiple hours, much longer than is deemed legal for a working shift. And it's like, well, you've got tokens for a food vendor. That's brilliant. Do they sell apples and fruit and bananas and water? Do they? Can you leave the site? <laughs> is that available? Do Is there somewhere quiet you can go? Is there? When you just need to have a, a quiet moment, you're overstimulated and you need to go scream. Somebody's just screamed at you and you need to go and hide. Is there somewhere you can do that apart from a porter cabin that stinks? Yeah, and the answer is no. No, there <laughs> is not. We all know this. But, you know, it's such a valuable point. I, I've been, um, as I've been thinking about Emmanuel's, and, and it was funny what you were saying earlier about having, I don't know if we were recording at the time, about having the energy for doing certain things and yes. so on. Like, for, for me, that's kind of, it, it, it's the, 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 I'm cruising at 30, if that, 
with rather than like I used to be like, you know, fifth gear, let's, you know, 70 down the motorway. It's like, I'm going at 30 miles an hour. It's like, I, I haven't got the energy to do it full time. I'm too but, old. I'm an old lady now. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but I was thinking like, you know, if I do have, if I do have my elusive brewery and tap room space, I was like, you know, once a week, there should be a night where the volume's meant to be lower in hushed, more lower tones so that if people come in who have sensory issues, they can come in and that you know it's a bit more spread out it's just a general nicer kind of think like Lothlorien from Lord of the Rings like oh, kind of vibe yes you know like are there going to be elves there should be well, I'm there <laughs> there you go what, once a week having that safe space again for people that need that kind of space but like say going to those beer festivals or tap rooms I mean, I, I've not volunteered at one, but I can only imagine what it's like. I've, I've recorded a podcast at one and we, I needed, well, I did two interviews. I'm not going to name the festival. And I did one interview in a stairway because that was the quietest place to go. And the I other- I have done an interview at a stairwell the, before. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yes, and then, so the other was in the backstage area where they had all the kegs and you could still hear like, wah, 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 you know, like pounding out. So I could only imagine like if you, you're at a beer festival in a major city as well, and you're just like, I need a break mm-hmm. right now. And it's, it, 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 there's a lot of parallels between music and beer and the music industry. And my wife always says to me, like, you'd have hated the music industry. And like, in my head, I'm like, in Bono or someone, you know, I was like, oh no, I'd have been great on tour, you know, um, dancing around the stage and all that. And she's like, no, I know your personality, you would hate it. You would have, and I think actually not, I've had little tastes of that kind of thing, either in beer or through music. And yeah, I, you know, I just want to be quiet a lot of the time. And that's okay. Yeah, yeah. It's completely valid. It's completely valid. Who doesn't want to sit in a nice quiet space looking at a waterfall? I don't know where this waterfall is, where it's got a beer it. festival, but we're, we're going to make this happen. And you've got a, a little a little schooner of barley wine and you're savouring it and you're, and you're having a very... Um, in depth or maybe it's frivolous chat with your friend who you can hear yeah I know <laughs> it sounds beautiful majestic it's not happening at a beer festival no. but why not yeah why not why can't there be spaces carved out for everybody you have spaces now for like you say for really intense music and you have them at beer festivals now and it creates this vibe and this atmosphere and it's brilliant and it, and it sets the scene and it brings the party. Who doesn't want to do that? But not everyone's feeling that at exactly yeah. the same time. So why can't we cater our spaces for our people? Why can't we? Yeah. I went to um, Smokefest, you know, Tour Side Brewing oh. um, a few years back. This was before the pandemic. And that was possibly my the favourite beer festival I've ever been to because you could, you could hear yourself. You know, it was just like a room full of people and it wasn't a huge it's not a massive space so there's enough people in there for it to be chatter but it's not like overwhelming mm. room full of people uh, ambient volume lots of smoked beer and lots of smoked cheese like what, you can't go wrong and I was just like this you know and, and previously I'd been I don't want to name the festival because I, I part of me enjoyed it but it was a, a, a festival in Leeds, that's as far as I'll go. That is well attended. And it's a dark time of the year with lots of dark beer. 
You could, it was Dark City, okay? And, and I did enjoy we it. We all knew. We all got there. Well, it, the thought process pick was, um, <laughs> as I'm saying it, I'm thinking, yeah, but people can go back and listen to episode four where me and my friend Paddy are at Dark City on location recording. It's like, you could work it out. So yeah, it was Dark City. Don't get me wrong. I, 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 I enjoyed the festival stuff, but it was all like, Duh! you know, I'm like, I can't hear a thing, you know? Um, and I was, and that's great. I love it. I mean, it's great that the, yeah, that yeah, music yeah, yeah. is available because I love metal and I like dark beers. Put them together, wonderful. Oh. It's absolutely majestic. This is how we brew here every day with bellowing, very, very heavy music. But sometimes you just need to focus. Yeah. And especially me. And I have earplugs and I wear them and that's fine. I can look after myself and I can shut the door and people kind of know when I'm having a bit of a sensory day. But everybody's different. So why? I just think that we, can, we should just accept that. Stop trying to make a square peg fit into a round hole and just make more holes. Yeah, celebrate the differences. So I just have to come back to the alpacas because you alpacas, alluded to it. And it'd be a shame yes. not to talk about. So where where are Look we? Look at here? the teeth. So we're currently in um, the the larger of the two offices at Salt Beer Factory in Bradford. Um, my my office is the smaller one, uh, so I actually sit over there by the beer fridge. Oh, is that is that actually your office? So that the, bit over there with the Enemaya flask and the stir plate. Um, not this one here. Oh, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. That's it. Yes. So in there with all the lab equipment and the boards, I love a whiteboard. Nice. If any of my bosses are listening to this, they would giggle because yeah. I love a whiteboard. And um, yeah, so that's where we keep an eye on all of our gorgeous Nipahs because nice. we have the most beautiful water in the UK and I will fight anybody. <laughs> Murphys have told me, so I will fight anybody that's that legitimate. doesn't believe that. Yep. And um, yeah, we make very pillowy, very beautiful, soft Nipahs and we, our head brewer is Colin Strong, so we make very, very nice Dark beers as nice. well. <laughs> so it's you. You. I don't know if you mentioned it's salt, isn't it? It is. Yes, yeah, salt in beer Oc factory in yes. uh, in Shipley. In Shipley, yes. Yeah. In uh, Bradford. So talk about the alpacas, please, because I, I I will have to send Jason up here because you. I'm sure you guys will get on like a house on fire talking about alpacas <laughs> and their long necks. You can tell me all I'm kinds not, of facts I'm not, about alpacas. I'm not completely obsessed with alpacas. However, um, was this your idea? <laughs> no, this is Jamie. This is Jamie Lawson's, um, the the owner. So it's actually a family-owned business, yep. and um, it's uh, at the very beginning it was um, part of Osset Brewing, but we have since divested. But they are our sister co sister company, and they also package all of our beer. Hey. So we speak to them on a daily, if not hourly, basis, and. Um, the uh, alpacas are from the fabrics and clothing and sort of uh, manufacturing trade that was known in Bradford and especially Saltaire during the Industrial Revolution. Oh. So Saltaire is a um, UNESCO World Heritage Site and it's named after Titus Salt, very humble man who named a village after himself. And... <laughs> It, Maybe and, my goals are too low. You know, I've talked about it. owning a brewery in tap room and being bono. Like, like settling at <laughs> tap room, and you should be going no population. Yeah, I, I need want to have a everybody village. saying thank you for their housing, their uh, hospital, <laughs> schools, job. I need that. So that's what he did. He awesome. created everything um, for his workforce to um, yes to enable them to work harder. He was benevolent 
to an extent. Yep. This is capitalism, and this was turn of the century, like last century. So it's benevolent it's, by those standards. By those standards, yes. It was a dry village. He had his own wine cellar. That type of gentleman. Oh yes. And All animals are equal, except some are more equal than others. <laughs> absolutely, he was definitely two legs good, and the. Four legs, the alpaca, is because um, they were bringing in the wool. So there's a huge mill just that way. This is actually an old tram shed. You can still see the tram lines out the front. And if you want to go underneath it, you can crawl through the surface. Oh, no way. Pits underneath. I wouldn't recommend it, but you can do. And um, yes, they've put a brewery in it, because what else do you do? Well, exactly. Yes, it's Yorkshire. It's West Yorkshire. Open brewery. And... um, Yes, they opened, started 2018. I joined 2021, something like that. Yeah, that seems about right. And um, I am the brewery manager. So lots of paperwork, lots of writing on whiteboards (laughs) and telling people about the alpacas. That pretty much sums up my role. Awesome. Do you do the brewery tours by any chance? I do. Yes, yes. I could could tell. (laughs) Because uh, having run loads of brewery tours in my town, like that is a well-rehearsed brewery tour speech. <gasps> that, actually, off the cuff. I am, no way. I am, I think it's been neurodivergent. I stumble over my words, but I can put on a show. I liked I it. I can do the performance. See, this is why, I, I, again, having known you for a while, like, I, I knew, like, I mean, you've been on podcasts before, like, but I knew, like, you know, like the, uh, this is why I want to do it in person. I was like, it won't be the same it's if not we're not gonna, in the same room. <laughs> I tell people when I start working with them and I'm like, oh, emails are great, but can we have a, like, if we can't meet, can we, can we have a Zoom? Because I'm so much better in person. I, I like to riff off people. And um, yes, I generally, things are just tumbling out of my face anyway. Yeah. So it will be nice to That's fine. have you're somebody in, you're, else you're, catching you. You're, you're in good company. I'm, I'm a huge extrovert. So, or extrovert processor, I should say. I'm quite introverted in terms of like, I like to just be by myself, but put me in a room like this with other people, like with a microphone in my hand like this. I'm like, well, I just shared that I am like Bono effectively. That's quite a statement. <laughs> I know, well, I was just, I was going to say, so I went for a walk to my family yesterday and um, like, it, it is weird, but like sometimes I will be in situations where people recognise my face or my voice or whatever. And like, you know, not very often. It's like I say, I'm not Bono. Are you um, trying to tell us you're famous? And this this guy walked past me. I don't know if maybe my ego and I've won this award has is, is, is overtaken me. But I was, we, were, we were walking in the P district. So this guy sort of nodded at me to say like, it was more than just a friendly, hey, mate, like passing a stranger. It was like, I know who you are, kind of hello. And I didn't recognise this guy. So I was like, hi, hey, mate. And, uh, and I joked with him. See, Claire, I'm more famous than Bono now. (laughs) And she's like, oh my goodness. Like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, it's my my ego. Your poor, long-suffering wife putting up with you. Yeah, my ego is so inflated. (laughs) Well, my boyfriend doesn't doesn't know anything about beer. And it's actually quite nice. um, Yes, and so... He can't believe that he was like, You're doing a podcast. Why? <laughs> Why? And I'm like, Well, you know, people people might people might care. Like somebody but might but, care. But, like I've actually got two this week 
Thank you. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, I am a celebrity. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, share only water yeah. or Oh my gosh, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to oh, me. Really. You just called me share. Yeah. I'm taking that. I'm absolutely taking that. I just self-proclaim that I was Bono. I am better than Bono. We're going to park that aside. But I think that actually raises a, a really good point about the microcosm of craft beer as a, as a thing. Because it, it it is a microclimate in that like you can get so one can get so hung up in the brewing industry of being like a you know oh look at me I'm like a big cop it's like well, you're a big cop in a small town mate you know yeah. like a big fish in a small pond yep. do you think just coming back to the state of or the underbelly of craft beer festivals and that kind of thing and the brewing industry you know talking about the wellness officers and the coven and, and the, the great work that you guys do mm. Do you think that kind of big cop in a small town mentality is part of the reason that drives and that ego is it drives some of this behaviour? Or do you think it's, it's? I mean, I'm sure it's not as black and white as that, but do, do you, I wonder if that's a contributing factor that people think they're much bigger and better than they actually are. I, I yes, fundamentally, yes. Um, I think you're right. It is obviously more nuanced. Um, I've just been singing the praises of diversity, so I can't then generalise. But as beer is very small and quite incestuous because there's only so many brewers to go around, there's only so many roles to go around, there's lots of sort of... If you have your career, you might actually... A 20-year career, you might have worked for six or seven of some of the biggest breweries in the in the industry. Yeah. So you are going to be known. You are going to then know some of the same faces all around. So what you do does feel, or at least your perception of it, might tend to matter more than actually how it really does in the real world. Mm. Um, it's good to have a partner or somebody or friends or people that can pour cold water on on your uh, ambitions of being Bono. And um, you also, let's take sales for example. You're, you're selling beer. Beer is beer is beer is beer is beer. Yes, you can have good beer and bad beer and there's the, obviously the quality issues and then there's styles and things, but beer is beer. Let's say you've nailed it. What's the difference between that brewery giving the best beer they've ever done and this brewery doing the best beer they've ever done? So it is a lot of bravado, a lot of marketing, a lot of hype. And people buy into that. Yeah. You want them to buy into that because that's what sells your beer. That's what makes them go on tapped. That's what makes them queue or get the same subscription box they had last month, even though it's just core and it's like a <laughs> of specials. You know, you do need that. So you want that, but then that fine line that tipping point of where it's it's healthy and yeah. then tips into um i don't know navel gazing and everyone's just sit, sitting around smelling their own farts going isn't this great isn't this wonderful oh, i'm getting tropical notes of yeah. papaya and it's like no no one knows yeah, what yeah, papaya yeah. tastes like mm, yes. stop it's, it's got it's, it tastes like a citrus and yes mosaic <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's only so much that you can do before it's it's ridiculous. There's only so many ways you can skin a cat, really. So, um, yeah, you do get these huge 
personalities that rely on maybe maybe it's different maybe it's changing now I, I, I do hope so I think the pandemic put a lot of a stop to a lot of it but that you did have sort of the bullying aspects of it the kind of bravado and like kind of if you're not if you're not keeping up with the drinking culture like why are you here why why what you, you know we're, we're all selling uh selling our wares and pushing our portfolio at 10 o'clock at night on a Tuesday in a bar in the center of a of a huge city well if you've got a family if you've got a life if you're healthy perhaps you're not able to do that you're not able to keep up um and it does mean something different if I was going to go out for a drink with you at 10 o'clock at night on a Tuesday in the city center then if say you were doing that with a male that, mm. that, that I know that sounds really silly but that that is the no case. no no absolutely so just that aspect of beer as well just that culture that was absolutely the norm shut the door on so many other people entering it and now there is more people entering the beer industry I think that's gonna dwindle I think people realize that's unhealthy I think they realize that they're not getting ahead there's less money to go around so the consumer's becoming more scrupulous with their money where are they going to spend it are you a good brewery are you a good employer or what's your what's your sustainability like what's your diverse Mm. what's the diverse workforce like like what does that look like at your business people do care about that so i think people are yeah changing at least i hope so i hope so yeah Uh, there definitely needs to be a more holistic approach and you know i i really hope it's going in that direction i mean it's great to have conversations like this where you know there's someone like yourself being the brewery manager that can help push things in that direction i'm not suggesting that it's not like that anyway but you know you, you, you can be that we are actually of- really really diverse here i know i really would say that but the brewing team is about 50 percent male female yep. and that's not just oh back of house you know cameron karen from finance um our director of brewing is a woman our one of our brewers is a woman i'm i'm a woman um we've and that's practical brewing stuff mm. the actual more office base which is almost seen as a bit more traditional as being a bit more diverse a bit more sort of 50 50 male and male and women um that that's always been diverse but that is still the case here we are a very diverse company we're not all white but salt's very humble and i like that mm. our tagline is about down-to-earth delivery and about having exceptional standards but giving it to our customers in a more humble low-key way and that's beautiful for salt for me i as an individual and not as a representative of salt as the coven i love to see diversity and have it shouted about i think if you can see it you can be it and that's what i would like to have more in the beer industry now i think people are worried about virtue signaling and seem to be a bit oh look at them aren't they showing off and i detest that because it's just poo-pooing on people's good work and it's smacks of bullying and a bit of immaturity and i if 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 somebody can't see themselves in any walk of life, any industry, how can they join that industry mm. or that walk of life? How can they? Representation matters. Yeah, 
I think a lot of it as well comes down to something like humility. Now, I know I've been joking for the past <laughs> hour the Bono about being like Bono, being bigger than Bono and, and the Beatles combined. Um, you know, we, we, and I'm just put. I just have to put this on tape on record. Like I don't all that stuff. I'm not, it's always tongue in cheek. Like you know, I don't think of myself in any way, shape, or form as being anything other than myself. Because I used, I used to, you know, I, I, my, I, I you used can do to, better than Bono anyway. Well, there you go. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to be a something once when I was younger, you know, and and I'm again, my wife is the wise owl that she is. What has this mantra from um, the great film that is Cool Runnings, where, <laughs> where um, I really like your wife. She's great. She's great. Uh, and she she quotes um, John Candy, who's the coach, say to Doris, who's like the, the captain of the Jamaica bobsleigh team, a, a sentence I never thought I would say on a podcast. Winning was everything to me. It became who I was. Doris, if you're not enough without a gold medal, you'll never be enough with one. <gasps> and I was like, oh, I mean, that's just great script writing right there. And That reminds me of my favourite mantra. Oh, tell me your favourite mantra. So it's from... Uh, RuPaul, who is equally as majestic, if not more so than perhaps Bono, definitely more so. Yep. And it's, if you can't love yourself, how are you going to love anyone else? And I love that. Absolutely. And if we're able to get down off our pedestal, and in the words of, um, it's getting very philosophical, this, isn't it? This happens when you and me get I know, it really is, isn't it? Um, as, as Dr. Stephen Covey, who wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, says, like, seek first to understand and then be understood. It's like, if we can't seek first to understand other people and be accepting and welcoming of other people before we do it ourselves and have that humility where you recognise you don't know everything. Yes. And you could learn from anyone at any point because you don't know everything, then I genuinely think having that kind of humility will pave the way for having more inclusive spaces because it's like we put our prejudice aside about sexuality, about gender, about religion, about politics even. and Beer styles. And beer, beer styles. You know, if you want to put lactose in an IPA, <gasps> be my guest. I might not agree with it, but I will love you anyway. I'm not going to drink it, but, but, but you do you. You do you. <laughs> Look, we just sit there and we just had to eat our words then. We're sitting there. Reverse. We've Re- been preaching, yeah. preaching about tolerance. <laughs> and then we're like, but not lactose. And then we and got syrup. to lactose IPAs. It's like, no, fuck off. Get out. <laughs> Stop it. I did actually have a, um, a breakfast IPA recently that had lactose in it. Oh, really? From um, Moonwake in <gasps> Leith. I think I've drunk that. It was brilliant. I think I've drunk that. I, I saw it. I was like, and I got Sarah very kindly sent me a box of beers. And oh, she's had, great. She, she's she, lovely, isn't she? She's, she's adorable. She's and, a cute human. And I, I took it out. I was like, ooh, I might have that last. And then, and I had it. I was like, that was really delicious. And it had lactose in it. And it was an IPA. I was I'm flabbergasted. If you're listening... Guys from being awake, well done. Oh, no, and your brewery's gorgeous. I was up in October, oui. possibly, for um, an event with Emily uh, for... Oh, yes. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. for um, Women in Beer. Thank you, Brain. And, uh, yes, uh, it was brilliant, and we were um, drinking their beer, and it was great. And then 
happenstance won a raffle with um, Kimberly Craft Beer Pinup. Oh, yeah. And was sent a box of their beer. And that was in the box. And I got some stickers as well because I am a sucker for merch. I, I really like their beer. Uh, they um, they did a dry hop stout, which was really nice. That was in the box as well. Yeah, exactly. <gasps> Same box. <laughs> and I their lager is really, really was nice. Was it Pilsner? No, it's the blue one. I think it's just the standard lager. The Pilsner's really nice. The New Zealand hot Pilsner. Mm, mm. That's really nice. But the, the lager, which also has New Zealand hops in, so I'm, I'm not entirely sure what differentiates those two, apart from the colour of the can. But their lager's so nice. Yeah. It's got just the right amount of New Zealand hops. Those that new because I don't always like New Zealand pilsners. Sometimes they're too venous. Yeah, like it, it, it can be like, a little bit over the top with mm, the white grape kind of flavors. Yeah. So I'm just like, that's no, fine I know what if you it's mean. Yeah. an IPA, but for a lager, not so much. But it's when when they're just at the right balance, they're brilliant. And this one is so big shout out to Moonway. Yeah, well done then. They've just got some glowing recommendations from us. I know. Yeah, my brother-in-law lives in Edinburgh, and he goes quite often. So I every love time Edinburgh. I see, oh, Edinburgh's great, isn't it? Very welcoming people. It was great. It was a great event um, and just really welcoming. And there was really eclectic, diverse people in the audience as well. Um, I think these events can can be um, perceived as quite preachy. Women in beer, we've got an axe to grind. We can get a bit angry. And I, 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 I hear the criticism and I'm not going to push back completely against it because... Again, that's valid. That's their experience of it. But from being inside that sliver of the beer world, often it's because we're trying, we're we're explaining really painful things. Mm. So we're going to get emotional. We're going to have to scream a little bit louder, perhaps, and shout and make ourselves heard because we're used to not being it. So you're not really seeing us like the the women in beer world, that otherized minority where we're we're advocating ourselves. You're not going to see us as being quite quiet and demure and waiting our turn. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to come across a bit like that. But this event was wonderful. The audience obviously was full of women, but it had other minorities there. It had gender non-conforming folks. It had loads of men. It was brilliant. Really, really great. Really informative. And it was chatting about a wide variety of things. So it was talking about different forms of having companies. So not just a capitalistic approach, maybe a co-op. It was talking about um, trade unions. Really, really interesting. Really great. That's a whole other topic in and of itself. Oh, let's not go there because <laughs> yeah. you and me could probably chat That's, for yeah, a while. Be, yeah. That would be another pizza. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've got to go back to Sheffield at some point soon. <laughs> but um, let's round it off with this one last question then. Like, what's next for the coven? Where do you see it going over the next couple of years? <gasps> I've got a really exciting time coming up. So I alluded to the, um, the organisation that delivers the... Um, active bystanding safe bar network and I approached them and was like well there's no one doing this in the UK maybe you could train me and I'll do it and we had a nice chat obviously over zoom got on really really well and um hopefully it's not I don't mind saying this because we are very very close hopefully in the next couple of weeks if not months we'd be able to um announce that I'd be the UK partner mm, that'd be amazing. so I will be 
delivering their syllabus but in the UK so people don't have to go online they don't have to have their training via zoom and it's just a one-off they would actually be able to have active bystanding from the safe bar network not through wellness offices their staff Mm. to be trained and then they would have the aftercare as well which is a huge very comprehensive package um so they because of the high turnover in in um, hospitality you can then keep delivering that so your venue is safe rather than a few Mm. select staff members so that's really really huge and then that offers opportunities for america to be honest i was born over there so um i totally (laughs) forgot you were from America. I, well, this I, accent, I, you would, you I know, would forget, I know. wouldn't I, you? I remember you telling me when I first met you, I was like, what? No, you're not. It's like, I know where I'm from. Should I? With that thing? Yeah, totally. I know this is not how I should sound. This is completely fake. This is, where, this where, is a simulation. in the States? East Coast. Right. Best Coast. No, it's not. West is best. West is best. I love West Coast IPAs. Oh, don't get me started. <gasps> Dank, dark malts. Clarity. Oh, I had um, make IPAs bitter again. Oh, indeed. I had uh, <laughs> elusive brewery and roosters oh. collab. What was it called Assassin's Trail? That was what it was like. The bringing two worlds together. Don't be still, my beating heart. So elusive <laughs> are a, a gorgeous brewery. Um, I've done um, done some work with them. Gorgeous, gorgeous humans. Um, really, really generous with time, spirit, listening, great mantra, great ethos, just just really good. And known for their West Coasts. Yes. So how could I not love them? How can they not be celebrated? And they've just done a really nice triple release. Oh, they've I got saw the those. Dark Trail. See that one? I did. And then they've got the double... It's like the double West... The double yeah, Oregon, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've not had oh. them. Yeah, I'm keeping an eye out for when someone in Sheffield has them. And um, Jules... Hop hide out. Are you listening? There you go. And um, yes, and Roosters, they've actually hired wellness officers to hey, be at amazing. their festival in July as well. Fantastic. So I love it when my two worlds collide. I love it when people I've worked with, my partners, actually come together and produce their own stuff. That's brilliant. Wonderful. And then, um, so obviously the Covenant's got this huge ambition over the pond for the next couple of years because they've got nothing like that over there. And also Safe Bar Network... Um, they are very in-house, whereas we're very festival-based. So if mm. we could learn from each other, that would be magnificent. Um, and then really us is getting into festivals and being um, recognised by the rest of the industry. So collabs are really helping with that, getting our name out there. Um, it's not just about raising money for us so I can train people. Um, it's also the brand recognition is being legitimized because that really that's really important. You're a marketer, yeah, yeah. you understand that. Um, and then at the end of the year, Leeds. So um, Leeds International Beer Festival gave us gave me my head start when I just had a bar and like eight Linders and I was. Yeah, so I think I remember beer. seeing that on um, Instagram. And that's how yeah, I started. Yeah, amazing. Literally just. I think I worked 64 hours in four days. Not very well. Not I was not well. My skin was coming off my face. And 
yeah, that's not very wellness either. I wasn't, was not, <laughs> but, I think, I think that's probably what made me then make wellness officers. So nobody had to go through what <laughs> yeah. I went through. Um, but this year, like last year we launched the wellness officer program there and we had our own, um, TP and this year we are really going for it. I've, we've got a bigger team. We've actually got people who are being wellness officers, but also covered ambassadors. So they go out into the wild and they get introduced to the industry and we facilitate that. And then by osmosis, when they're talking to people, they can obviously pass our mission and our, our message out to the masses. And um, yeah, Leeds is really, really important to us. So we've just, just relaxed after March and... Um, the women's month and yep. international women's day we had four four beers launching and being brewed and it was crazy and gorgeous and thank you everybody and um we did some brave noise beers um elusive did a brave noise beer with us mirakai um hand brew co they're launching next two weeks um double barrel did a beer with us oh the double barrel oh, i love double barrel they're so humble and yeah it's just the beers are fantastic um a bit a bit like burning sky like gorgeous gorgeous beers mm. but just really like kind of low-key and maybe yeah. don't get the kind of trendy label that perhaps they should have um yeah so look out for leads um september it's going to be huge we're really going to go for it and it's going to be more inclusive and more reaching out into the community pulling people into beer awesome and what i like with consent yeah, absolutely <laughs> <laughs> so website socials and all that jazz yeah so website uh no not yet i've tried don't have the time don't have the patience um and the money can be well spent other uh, other places at the moment so um it's socials so find us on socials which is the coven dot w dot o p with dots in between which is the wellness officer program um and um yeah we were on twitter and then elon, elon musk yeah we didn't have a huge presence so it wasn't a huge loss but i just can't i just can't i have a um i have a book it's called the burn book i don't know if you know no. mean girls so no. they have a book and it's, they write nasty things in it about people. And oh, I right. literally <laughs> made one and it's got a list of people that we will not work with. <laughs> <laughs> Is Elon Musk one of them? <laughs> so it's like Twitter's in <laughs> there now. <laughs> but yeah. It's been great. Well, it's that time again at the bar for another week of the Hot 4 podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify and all other good platforms. Be sure to visit hotforward.beer to find out how we can help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. Remember to follow us on social media at Hot Forward Beers and for another week. Cheers. <laughs>